Today, All Saints Day, we recognize men and women the Episcopal Church honors as saints. Until a few years ago, I was largely unfamiliar with the concept of saints. You see, I grew up in small town Iowa as a member of the United Methodist Church and remained an active Methodist until my 40s. The only saints we talked about were Saint Nick, every child's favorite, and Saint Gabriel, who would meet us at the pearly gates. For me, saints were caricatures and fictional. The more familiar use of saint was as a descriptor of behavior. Being saintly meant behaving perfectly. It calls up a vivid image of well-scrubbed children, all sitting in a row doing exactly what they're supposed to do, which usually meant being very quiet. Or occasionally, it meant doing or sacrificing for others, but always in that nice, polite, kind of quiet way. Imagine my surprise when, as a seminarian, I began reading and studying about the people the church recognizes as saints. These people were not good, polite, or well-behaved, and they were most assuredly not well-scrubbed. By societal standards, these people were bad. They broke the rules, they were loud, sometimes bordering on obnoxious. Beyond being unpopular, they were mavericks, liberals, and in many cases, considered dangerous. Let's be frank, they were the kind of people society shuns and many of us try to ignore. Often, it was only after their death and the deaths of their critics that they were redeemed and recognized as saints. This got me thinking, what then are the qualifications? What makes someone a saint? The best way to answer this may be to look at some of the men and women the church recognizes as saints. The multitude of gifts possessed by William Wilberforce would have made him a popular and formidable priest in his day, back then a popular and respectable profession. Instead, Wilberforce became involved in politics. He became a dedicated opponent to the slave trade. His courageous lifelong campaign to eradicate slavery is credited as being pivotal to end of ending this horrifying practice. But to his contemporaries, he was a troublemaker, a traitor. He threatened their economic livelihood, standing firm against the establishment and accepted morals of his day. He dared recognize slaves as human, as children of God, even as the church sanctioned and, dare I say, profited from slavery. No, his stance and actions won him few friends but his tireless antics and hard work eventually succeeded. Four amazing women, Elizabeth Stanton, Amelia Bloomer, Sojourner Truth, and Harriet Ross Tubman devoted their lives to the cause of justice at a time when it was difficult to even survive as a woman. Through their energy and imaginative leadership, they made significant and lasting contributions to the rights of people all people, but especially women. Among them, they challenged the church's repressive role of women, run it into the dangerously harmful undergarments women were being forced to wear in that day. They tirelessly advocated for women's rights, and in one case, personally helped over 300 slaves to freedom. All of these women believed that God called them to their struggle, 
Rather than blame God for the evil and oppressive conditions they found in the world, they identified them as man-made. Furthermore, they took responsibility and dared to hold others, people of power and wealth, to accountability. These women were not passive players, but formidable, forceful women. Make no mistakes, they were not seen as saints in their lifetime, but as troublemakers, dangerous, silly women who didn't know their proper place in life. All shunned by society, all broke the rules. Since the early days, Christians have honored men and women whose lives exemplify a heroic commitment to Christ and who have lived their faith even at the cost of their lives. Such descriptions make us think of the early Christian martyrs. Yet such witness, by the grace of God, is present in every age. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, German pastor and theologian, is one such contemporary saint. Many German Christians openly welcomed Hitler's Nazi party to power, seeing it as a historical moment of Christ's work on earth, through and for the Aryan folk. Only a small number refused, and soon this confessing church became the center of Protestant resistance to the Nazis. Not only was Bonhoeffer their leading spokesperson, but he created and ran an underground seminary educating and inspiring youth to a different place of faith. A devout pacifist, Bonhoeffer discovered that he could no longer live with himself if he didn't try to stop Hitler and became intricately involved in a plot to assassinate him. The outcome, we all know. He was arrested, imprisoned, and finally murdered. Yet he continued to write from prison, but develop exceptional theology giving serious voice to modern evil and man's relationship to God. This deeply pacifist theologian came to accept the guilt of plotting Hitler's death only because he was convinced that to not do so would be a greater evil. Today, his writings still inspire and challenge Christians around the world. But he too broke the rules, defied authority, followed his own path. What is it that these people have in common? What makes us honor them as saints? They were all courageous, but history is full of courageous people we don't consider saints. All have a deep and public faith that they have spent their life acting upon. And clearly, this is an important aspect of sainthood. Yet there are multitudes of folks who do this, and we never would call them saints. No, there is something more, something unique, something powerful that allowed these individuals to continue when all those around them told them to stop. All had an inner voice they believed to be from God, a voice which ran counter to the cacophony of dissenting voices around them, a voice that made them choose a different path, a path of resistance and courage, a voice that acted as a beacon when the inevitable darkness and doubt crowded in. God's voice, a voice of love and grace. Each had a vision, not an ethereal dream, but like Jesus, a daring vision of what God's world should be like and a determination to move us towards that vision. Faced with unspeakable obstacles and evil, they worked from a place of God's love, 
Filled with grace, they work tirelessly towards a goal, leading, not destroying, loving, not judging. For it is only through God's grace and support that these individuals could accomplish what they did, the same grace that is available to all of us if we have the courage to listen. These were not extraordinarily brave people. I doubt any of them set out to change the world. Rather, they were ordinary people faced with a situation that was counter to their understanding of God's will. From somewhere inside, they found the courage to speak out against accepted conditions of their day, to shine God's light on the darker corners of our world. As I've watched the news these last couple of weeks, taking in the horrors of children setting children on fire, and crowds of young people standing idly by while a young girl is repeatedly attacked, my heart breaks and I'm filled with sadness. And yet there's a part of me that wants to scream. What kind of world have we created for our children, God's children, which could bring them to a place where grabbing their cell phone and dialing 911 isn't an automatic reaction? No, the incidents are too common, too widespread to lay it at their feet. It's something bigger, something deeper, something crying out for an authentic public conversation. Even in this community relatively immune from such harsh realities, the meanness and darkness creeps in around the edges. Our children need help. Their lives cry for a saint. We, they, desperately need someone whose voice brings solutions, words of real hope and light, not platitudes or condemnation. But where does that leave us? What can we do? First, I would ask that we pray. Pray deep and hard for God's love to break through the dark clouds. But we can do more. I know we can. There is real experience in this room, talent, and loved honed from lives lived, experiences gained, and battles fought. We may not have answers for today's children, but we do have methods, decision-making skills that transcend time, and we do have love. From what little I know, some of you in this room have real experience following that inner voice, those whose lives have followed less conventional paths. So I ask you today, as you prepare to come to the Lord's table, open yourself up to the possibility of being a little saintly. Be bad. Speak out when it's not polite. Defend those in need or push back against accepted conventions. Dare to bring God front and center in a loving manner rather than the harsh rhetoric that is all too common. If we open our eyes and hearts, God will present us with opportunities and the grace to succeed if we just take the risk. No, we may not be saints, but together we can bring God a little closer. I can't think of a better way to honor those who gave their lives to spreading God's kingdom than to continue their fight. Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. 
we are a growing, welcoming community for those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You can reach us by phone at 415-388-1907 or visit us online at OurSaviorMV.org That's O-U-R-S-A-V-I-O-U-R-M-V for Mill Valley dot org We wish you God's peace and we hope to be able to greet you in person very soon.